truckloads and two trailer loads of stuff. And um, it's just amazing. Also, as a part of that, we have a lot of books out in the fellowship hall. There's two of the big tables out there are covered with books. Uh, if you would like those books, if you would like all of them, you can have all of them. It's going to be first come, first serve. Um, you don't have to see me, uh, but if you would like to meet me out here so I can open the church, I would be more than happy to. Um, and we would just love for you to take any or all of those books. Whatever is not gone in the next couple of weeks, we are going to be uh, either trying to donate or disposing of. So if you want them, they are yours. Please come and get them. Also, July 19th, we will have uh, special guest singers here. The Bunkleys will be here. Uh, we haven't seen them in a while. But July 19th, put it on your calendar. I talked to Rick uh, about a week ago. We originally had this planned for June, uh, the first Sunday in June. But as a result of all this other stuff that's going on, we felt better not to do that. So July 19th, the Bunkleys will be here uh, ministering to High Point Church. And we are excited about that. So make plans to attend. Also, don't forget, we are planning on, at this point, our plans are to open the church as a soft opening on June 7th. And that means if you are in a high-risk group, if you have a compromised immune system, any of the high risks that are listed by the CDC, we ask that you would continue to worship at home. <coughs> we won't refuse you if you come, but we're, it's a suggestion. Uh, we will have everything clean. We'll be exercising um, distancing here in the auditorium. F families will sit together, but there will be spacing in between families and groups. Um, we will not receive an offering like we normally do. There will not be Sunday school. There will not be breakfast in the morning. Um, we're going to come and have church. We're going to worship and word, and then we will dismiss uh, one row at a time, one group at a time. So it will be a little different, but it would be good to see your happy, smiling faces here again. And then July 5th, we are just hoping that things will continue to go like they're going. And July 5th, we will have just a big um, blowout. Happy to come home, see you there um, for everybody, and um, bring your mama and them. And we're going to have a good time. So that's two important, three important dates. June 5th, soft opening, July, June 7th, rather, July 5th, full opening, and July 19th, the Bunkleys will be here. I have a word this morning. And I won't be long, um, so if you will just listen quickly, I will talk quickly. I want to speak on the topic this morning, a time to stand and a time to go forward. A time to stand still and a time to go forward. I love uh, preaching, teaching from the Old Testament. The stories just seem to so many times relate to life in general because they were just people. Um, but in one particular story, after being highly favored in Egypt, we read in Exodus 1-6 that Joseph, his brothers, and that entire generation that was living at that time had now died. We don't know exactly how many years have passed at this point in our scripture text in, in Exodus, but we know that it was now a lot more than Joseph and his family in Egypt since verse 7 says that the Israelite population was now exceedingly numerous. I think that means a lot. Then in verse 8, we see that a new king came along. And this king, this was a king who did not know about Joseph. Well, what does that mean? The king didn't know about the relationship between Joseph 
and the previous Pharaoh of Egypt. He didn't know the story of how Joseph had saved the Egyptian people from a deadly famine. Instead, this king looked at the Israelites and said in verse 10, we have to do something about this. This is my paraphrase. If we don't do something about all these Egyptian, all these Hebrew people, at some point they will outnumber us. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Talk about paranoid. The solution for this Egyptian king was to turn the Israelites into slaves and use them as slave labor to build the Egyptian kingdom. So now we fast forward. And now, in the passage we're looking at today, at least a couple hundred years have passed since the death of Joseph. And although the Israelites have gone from being highly favored when Joseph was there to being slaves in Egypt, God still had a plan. Chapter 2 of Exodus introduces us to a man named Moses. Actually, he introduced us to a, uh, a baby named Moses, but by verse 11, we see that he had grown up. Although Moses was an Israelite or a Hebrew, and his people were slaves to the Egyptians, through a series of God-orchestrated events, Moses had grown up in the house, the very house of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Then at the age of 40, Moses killed an Egyptian who was beating an Israelite or Hebrew slave. So out of fear, Moses ran away to a place called Midian, a place in the desert, and he became a sheep herder. Fast forward again. And this time, Moses has now been gone from Egypt for 40 years, working as a shepherd in the desert. And during that time, the conditions in Egypt have gotten worse. The people are under more uh, just horrible conditions as slaves in Egypt. And in the desert, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and told him, go back to the Pharaoh in Egypt and tell him, let the Israelites go. You go, well, that sounds simple enough. This was a pretty big deal because there were at least by this time several hundreds of thousands of, of slaves in Egypt, maybe even excess of a million Jewish slaves working in Egypt. So you can imagine what that would do to the economy and workforce if all of those people disappeared at the same time. There's a bunch of politics stuff we could go into. We won't do that this morning. It was not going to be an easy task. And Moses knew that, which was probably one of the reasons he said, I really don't want to go, God. But eventually, now at the age of 80 years old, we see that he agreed to go do it. Look what God said to Moses in Exodus 7, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. In spite of being afraid, Moses and his brother Aaron did what God told them, and they went to see Pharaoh. Now, God told Moses up front. He said, now, let me just tell you up front, Moses. You're going to go do this, and it won't change his Pharaoh's mind. And then I'm going to do these things, and everyone will know that I'm the Lord. And when it's all over, Pharaoh will let the Israelites go. And so Moses and Aaron were obedient. The key to all of this is found in verse 6. And it says this, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Obedience to God is not always comfortable, but it is always the right thing. 
And God will always honor and bless our obedience. Let me also add that obedience is not only the right thing, it is absolutely vital if we expect to see the things that God has promised us. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they told him what the Lord had instructed them to say. And after a bit of a showdown between Pharaoh's magicians and Aaron, yeah, he had magicians that could do like magic stuff. So, and it was really kind of weird. But go back and read it in that same chapter. Verse 13 says, Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Over the next few chapters in Exodus, we see that every time Pharaoh said no, God would pour out another plague on the Egyptian people. There was this plague where the water in the Nile River turned to blood. The fish died. It smelled horrible. And Pharaoh said, nope, not going to do it. There was a plague of frogs, frogs everywhere. Pharaoh said, make the frogs go away and your people can leave. He lied. Look what happened when all the frogs died, Exodus 8.15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Imagine that. And then there was a plague of gnats and flies. Then all the Egyptians' livestock died. Then there was a plague of boils, followed by a plague of hail. Then a plague of locusts came along, followed by a plague of darkness across the land that lasted for three days. Each time, Pharaoh would say, okay, Moses, make this go away, and I'll do what you want. And every time he lied. This mentality of making a deal with God still happens today. Some horrible event happens in our lives, and we cry out to the Lord, Lord, if you'll take this away, if you'll fix this problem, I will live for you, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I'll go to the forest country and I'll be a missionary. And then God takes away the problem, and they go right back to doing what they were doing before the problem hit. Let me assure you of this. Just as God knew that Pharaoh would not keep his word, he is not surprised by people who do it in our day either. We need to be very cautious when we attempt to make a deal with God. Because he not only knows our heart, he knows the very intent of why we were asking. So be assured, you are not fooling him. Well, I'll tell God this, and then when I get what I want, I'll just go back. But we won't tell him, right? Remember, God told Moses... You're going to do this, 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 and this. And Pharaoh's going to say, nope, not going to do it. And he's going to lie to you every time. So be assured, God is not fooled by your insincerity. But if you come to him with a sincere heart, I will tell you then you can watch what God will do. Trust him with all your heart. Commit your ways to him. And then watch what he can and will do on your behalf. Back to Exodus. Finally, in Exodus 11.1, 1, God says this to Moses. Now, the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here, and when he does, he will drive you out completely. God was saying, okay, after this plague, Pharaoh won't just let you go. He's going to tell you, please leave. He's going to make you leave. And that night, every Egyptian's firstborn son died from the poorest house all the way up to Pharaoh's house. Exodus 12, 31 through 33. During the night, Pharaoh summoned up Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and your Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you said, and go. Also, bless me. 
The Egyptians urged the people to hurry. It wasn't like, okay, you can go now. It was like, please go and please hurry. Get out of here fast. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. Get out of here before we all die. Everything happened exactly the way God said it would happen. So the Israelites picked up their stuff and they left. But even though God delivered them from a horrible life of slavery, he still knew what was in their hearts. We, we look at Pharaoh and say, yeah, but he was so disingenuous. He would say, I would do this, and, and if you do this, then I'm going to let the people go. And then he lied. Well, God knew the, Egypt, the, the Israelites' hearts too. He knew they wanted deliverance, but he still knew how they felt in their heart. Let's read about that a little bit. The Israelites leave Egypt following Moses as he follows God. And as long as the Israelites, as long as Moses was following God and the people were following him, they were always just fine, just like God had promised. It was when either part of that arrangement broke down that they experienced problems. If Moses didn't follow God, there was a problem. If the people didn't follow Moses, there was a problem. You see, they were all in this together, and they needed to stay together in order to see what God was going to do for them. Exodus 13, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up, up out of Egypt armed for battle. God knew that even though the Israelites were free from Egypt, even though they had seen this miraculous thing happen back in Egypt, all these plagues and God preserving them, he knew that if they encountered some resistance along the way, they would probably just turn around and go back to Egypt. Rather than face some difficulties, we'll just go back to being slaves. So God's put them on a path that even though it was longer, it was God's way and it was for their own good. Before you're too hard on these folks, I will tell you there are a lot of times and a lot of things that God protects us from. And it's for the same reason. He knows what we can handle. He knows what will overwhelm us. That doesn't mean the path he takes us on will be easy. Instead, it means that the path he takes us on is the one that is best for us. And if we will follow, he will go before us and protect us. So the Israelites traveled on the longer route around the Philistine country toward the Red Sea. And sometimes we might wonder why our path seems so long. God, isn't there a better way? Isn't there a shortcut to get where I'm headed? Do we really have to go this way? We're like the little kids in the back seat. God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because we want to, we see what we want and sometimes it's not that straight line. Sometimes it's this zagged line, and it's the long way, and we don't understand. But be assured, if you are following after God, you're on the right path. I can tell you that there might be a different way. But there isn't a better way. Because obedience to God's plan is what guarantees us his guidance and his provision. And simply put, the path that God puts us on is the path 
he knows is best for us. Let me say that again. The path God puts us on is the path he knows is best for us. Verses 21 and 22 of chapter 13 tells us that that God provided the Israelites with a pillar of cloud by day to guide them and protect them and a pillar of fire by night so that they could travel at night. He gave them light at night. God is now doing everything he said he would do. Look at Exodus 14, verses 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth. Pi-Hahiroth. Between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself. This is important. I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Again, I want us to focus on that last phrase. So the Israelites did this. Really important. God said this, 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 and this, and they did this, 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 and this, and then God said, I'll do this, 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 and then that final thing, and the Israelites did this. Everything is good so far, but here comes the Egyptian army, just like God has said. After all the Israelites had experienced, you would think their reaction would be, eh, it's no big deal. Everything's going to be okay. Right? No. Let's keep going. So we have somewhere between several hundred thousand people, maybe even as much as over a million people, several couple million people, some people estimate. And here's this huge group of people standing with the Red Sea in front of them and an Egyptian army closing in behind them. Pretty bad situation, right? Let's read verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would be, have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You see, now the people have turned on Moses. What is your problem, Moses? Weren't there enough graves back in Egypt for you? Did you have to bring us all the way out here to the desert just so we could die and be buried in the desert? We would have been better off as slaves back in Egypt than to die in the desert. Exactly why God led them on the long route around the Philistines. He knew as soon as they came up against some opposition, they would say, ah, can't do this. Basically, that translates as regardless what we've seen God do in the past, regardless of his miraculous protection and provision, Now, we're all going to die. Everybody run. Based on Moses' response, I would say that the people were probably ready to abandon him and seriously run out into the desert. Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. 
Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Here's what Moses said to the Israelites as they faced something that terrified them. First of all, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Watch and be still. When we are faced with situations in life, we would do well to follow that same advice. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Watch. Be still. If what I'm going to say next applies to you, that's great. And please take it to heart. If you feel that it doesn't apply to you, then I'm, that's okay too. In fact, if it doesn't apply to you, then I'm going to ask that you would be the one who would pray this prayer of thanksgiving for the rest of us. Thank you, Lord, for making sure that Pastor David and the rest of High Point Church is hearing this today. Amen. I say that sincerely because of this. I needed to hear this today. And I know there's some other folks who needed to hear this today. And I thank you for your prayer as we go forward. There are a lot of folks right now who are facing some different, difficult situations. This COVID-19 crisis has taken its toll not only on a lot of people's health, even to the point of death. It has taken its toll on people's jobs, their businesses, finances, their savings accounts even to the point where people are afraid of losing everything. It has taken toll on people's mental health. The percentage of suicide attempts has gone up drastically in the last couple months around the country. I have been through some difficult times in my life, and I have learned that eventually difficult things will happen to each of us. I have also learned that the longer we stay in that situation, at some point, we can begin to question everything, even God. Looking back at the passages of Scripture we're reading today, it seems that, that Moses handled this situation unlike many folks would have handled it. Instead of saying, there's the Red Sea, there's the army, everybody run, you're on your own. Instead of doing that, Moses just said, don't be afraid. That's some tough advice right there. Maybe you're among those who are facing some difficult circumstances right now. And from where you're standing, things seem impossible. Let me assure you that if you are following God, nothing is impossible. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do everything. Through him who gives me strength. I can do everything. Not I can do. I can do it through him who gives me strength. I can tell you that if I wasn't 100% sure, especially right now, that God was leading me to move forward as a pastor of High Point Church, I would be terrified. I'll be honest and tell you, there are still days when I question it. Days when I'm a little bit scared. But in the end, I'm trusting God because I know that he led me here. 
There are times when I, I see my own version of the Red Sea. And I see my own version of the army coming up behind me. But be assured, I won't run. I won't run off in the desert screaming, we're all going to die. Because I know that I am exactly at and in the place that God has brought me to. Moses wasn't finished with just saying, don't be afraid. Next he said, stand firm. The King James Version says, stand still. And then Moses said, you will see. In other words, watch what God is getting ready to do. Stand firm. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. And then watch what God is getting ready to do. And wherever your journey is today, wherever this journey in life has taken you today, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that has you scared or terrified, whatever it is that is making you doubt God's ability to do what he has promised, let me urge you to stand still and watch what God is going to do. As we head toward getting things back to normal and then go forward at High Point Church, let me say to each of you today, stand still and just watch what God is doing and what he is going to do. Don't run off into the desert screaming, we're all going to die. Because God has brought us to this exact place where we are so that he can remind us that he is still God. We are not here by accident. This is not an accident that, that we are where we are today. It is not an accident that you are where you are today. In fact, God knew this a long time ago. I'll just, I'll just say this. He knew where you would be today before you were born. He's not surprised by your circumstances. Trust him. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch what he will do. Looking back at chapter 14, verse 4. God told Moses, there's some scary things that are going to happen. But when it's all over, it will bring glory to me. Sometimes we have to get to the place where when God takes care of it, and he will, we know without a doubt that it was God's doing and not on our own. And when that happens, we don't pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I did. No, we throw our hands in the air. We fall on our face before God, and we say, great is the Lord. He is our salvation. He is our provision, and he is my redeemer. In all of that, that would have been a good place to stop, but Moses wasn't finished yet. Next, he said, if you will not be afraid, if you will stand firm or stand still and watch, the Lord will fight for you. And then once again, it's the last phrase of verse 14 that I want us to pay particular attention to. God will fight for you. You need only to be still. Once again, let me say that whatever might be going on in your life, maybe it's time to stop fighting the battle yourself and just be still and let God fight the battle for you. In Psalm 46.1, David wrote, God is our refuge and our hope, an ever-present help 
in trouble. And then you drop down to verse 10 of that same chapter. God speaks and says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Let God fight the battle. At that point, I, very, I feel very comfortable in saying that no one, including Moses, knew how God was going to save these people from destruction. Moses said it without knowing how it was going to happen. That's faith. Sometimes we have to just step out in nothing but faith. God doesn't always show us the plan because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to show us the plan before he works it out. All he tells us to do is be obedient. Follow where I lead you. And if you will do that, I will provide and I will take care of you and I will protect you. I don't have any lights back there. I will tell you that there was probably some folks that ran off into the desert because they just could not see how God could possibly fix it this time. And if I can't see how God's going to fix it, then I'll just have to do it myself. I know nobody here has ever been that, in that place. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, so evidently you're not working in my, on my behalf, so I'm just going to... I'm just going to do it myself. In spite of all the unknowns and even doubts, when the people were obedient to God, he did exactly what he said he would do. And he did it in a phenomenal way. It didn't end there with them standing at the Red Sea and waiting. You see, it required some attention on their part. Exodus 14, verses 15 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I love that. Moses, I get it that you're talking to me and stuff, but why are you doing this? Tell the people just to move. Raise your staff and stretch your hand out over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Moses, here's what we're going to do. You stretch out that rod in your hand. Remember that rod I told you to bring back in Egypt? You didn't understand why? Aren't you glad you have it now? Take that rod and stretch it out in front of you. And I'm going to part that sea that's in front of you. And then y'all are just going to walk across on dry land where there used to be water. What would our response have been? Probably something along the lines of, huh? You're going to do what? But, but, but God, that has never happened before. I'm having difficulty believing that, God, because I've never seen that before. Or the, or the one we just automatically go to. Are you sure? 
I mean, think about what where they were standing. I'm sure those thoughts ran through Moses' mind. I've never even heard of something like this. Are you sure? Think how silly I'm going to look if I stand up there and go, okay, everybody, hold on, here we go. And I stretch out my rod and nothing happens. Fear. And I will tell you that once again, from where you're standing today, looking at your situation, you might be saying those same words. And once again, let me say, don't be afraid. Be still and watch what God is doing and watch what he is getting ready to do on your behalf. So Moses stretched out his rod. The waters parted. And watch this. Moses stretched out his rod. The waters parted. And they still weren't saved. Nope. Now it was time for the people to do their part. And their part was to walk across the dry land, what the riverbed of the Red Sea, to the other side. They had done what God said. They had stood firm and let God be God. But now it was time to go forward. They had stood still. But now it was time to go forward. You realize that they said, okay, Moses, that was kind of cool. Army's still back there. Yeah, I see that Red Sea and that land looks dry. I don't know. I don't think I trust that. I think I'll take my chances right here. And we shake our heads and go, silly, silly Hebrews. And we do the same thing. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. And we look at the solution and go, yeah, I don't know, God. I, I don't know about that. I don't really feel comfortable with that. If God says go, and you know it was God that said go, then there's only one option, and that's go. That don't be afraid part still applied. As you go forward in your life, and as we continue to go forward together here at High Point Church, there will be times of standing firm, watching, and being still. But there will also be a time of going forward as we move forward to where God wants us to be. God has brought us here for a reason. Let's go back to Exodus 14, verses 17 and 18 again. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his armies through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. When that happened, God received glory through all of that. And through all of where God leads you, and through all of where God leads us as a church, here at High Point Church, as we move forward, I promise you that God will receive the glory. We cannot be frozen with fear. We must move forward. I'm going to close with a quote from Chuck Swindoll. I'm just going to read this. Here's what he said. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch God come through. Quit talking. The hardest is the fourth because we want to have to complain or tell somebody what a predicament we're in. But God doesn't need to be informed. He knows the predicament. 
He is simply waiting for us to calm down and keep silent. When you're in a cul-de-sac, led by God to that tight place, it is there you will discover some phenomenal surprises designed just for you. That's why Moses said, look, let's stand still. There's a great blessing here for us that we'll miss if we turn tail and run. You know the second common, the common response to panic. First, we become afraid. Second, we run. Third, we fight. Fourth, we tell everyone. God's counsel is just the opposite. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch him work. Keep quiet. It's then that he does his best work on our behalf. He takes over. Then he handles our predicament opposite the way we do it. And he closes with this. The Lord is tapping his foot, waiting for us to wait. End of quote. Don't be afraid. In spite of circumstances, be assured that your circumstances or any circumstances don't change who God is or what he can do. Stand firm or stand still. Stop running. Watch. Watch what God can and will do. Be still. Be quiet. Trust him. And know that he is God. There is a time to stand still. There is a time to go forward. As a church, it is time to go forward. And I've said this before, and I will continue to say this. When we are able to come back together, I want us to, to come back together, not the way we left. I want us to come back here with a new fervor, with a new desire, with a new burden to leave this place and walk out of this place every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, every time we're here, that we look forward to walking out that door so that we can come in contact with somebody out there and share the gospel. Craig and I were having lunch a couple days ago and we were talking about just that thing. There was a statistic several years ago from Barna Research saying that I think it was 80% of people say that in the last five years they have not shared the gospel with anyone. Why? Because it's easy just to talk about it. It's easy just to complain about it. But it's sometimes we have to go forward and actually do it. If we will go out into the world like we're called to do, God will place people in our path that we can speak to. God will place people in our path that we can share the gospel with. God will place people in our path that we can witness to and say, look, this is what God has done in my life. This is where he has brought me from and where he has brought me to. The choice of our, is ours. Once we are able to come back, we also have the choice of, of just like the Israelites standing at the Red Sea with the water parted. They could have just stood there. We need to go forward. God has so much more for us than we've ever seen. He has so much more for us than we've ever experienced. But we will never experience it if we just stand forever. There was a promised land ahead for the Israelites. Just because God had made a way didn't automatically put them in the promised land. 
they still had to go. So wherever you are today, if you're troubled, if you're struggling with life, if you're struggling with circumstances, then maybe you need to just take that time and stand still. Be quiet. Watch what God can do. But when he spreads that Red Sea, it's time to go forward. Thank you for being here today, being with us, tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Don't forget these important events coming up. June 7th, we will have an opening here. We ask it if you are in a high-risk group to just continue to watch online.